Rhino, another edition of the Friendly Confines Cups podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Chad. Feeling good, looking good. The Cubs looked really good in that finale against the Reds. I think they sent Tom Brenneman to the hospital after what he saw from Chris that Bryant. Was, and that was man, one that of made the best so audio clips. I've, uh, that was hilarious. And yeah, looking good is right. You shaved off that that horrible, horrible, horrible beard. I've still got mine. <laughs> I haven't decided how long I'm going to ride this pony out, but I'm still coming off the high of, of having our great guest last week, uh, Joe Buck. Uh, um, we got so many new listeners and and such great comments on that. Uh, super excited about our guest this week as well, and so much to cover. Hundred percent. We also have Jason Smith from ninety two point nine in Memphis, Tennessee. He's a huge Cubs fan, so he's going to join us here on the program Another as well. Great guest. Pretty excited to talk to him. Stay tuned, everybody. The friendly confine starts right now. First inning now, and Chad, if we're talking about the Cubs, well, the bullpen has to be top of mind with this team. It just seems like each and every day we're just wondering who's going to be going on the injured list next. And, of course, the newest casualty has been Steve Ciszek, who is probably, um, well, one of the better relievers on this team, certainly one of the most consistent guys on this team He's joining a plethora of other relievers now on the IL for the Cubs, along with Brandon Kinsler and Pedro Strope spent some time in there. Craig Kimbrell is currently on there. So it just becomes a juggling act for this team as they try to just get by each and every game with just smoke and mirrors from this bullpen. Yeah, I, almost, I almost think, Chad, believe it or not, that – Madden is actually, I know he's been criticized for handling the bullpen most of the year, but in this instance, I feel like he's actually done a pretty good job yeah. understanding what they're dealing with and knowing that it's like you don't know who you're going to have coming out of the pen each and every week. Yeah, Zizek going out has been such a, that's just, it's just been a dark cloud because he has been the one steady face that I think when it comes in from the bullpen that we, you know, we all have a little bit of, uh, of uh, confidence in. Um, but right now it's, it's, it's probably a, a, a 70 to 80% Pedro Strope is, is really the, the star of the field right now. Uh, Tyler Chatwood continues to be um, a, a, just a tremendous reclamation project after last year. He's been so solid, but how good does the Derek Holland uh, pickup look like? And, and as much as we've talked about how this, this uh, front office has not a, done a great job nurturing uh, pitching talent, but a lot of the other guys that are coming up and, and that are going to uh, play a role, whether it's Maples or Underwood others, you know, some self-developed talent that has been much needed uh, because it's going to come down to um, whether or not we're going to get back uh, those, those big, big arms uh, as, as we get closer and closer to the end of the season. And right now, as it stands, it's a very big concern. Yeah. I mean, you, you hit it on the head between Rowan Wick, Dwayne Underwood. I mean, these guys who we didn't even hear of prior to uh, a few weeks ago have, uh, have been unbelievable considering what the Cubs have been dealing with uh, when it comes to this bullpen. Second inning now, and of course, we talked about the trade deadline last week, Chad, and the biggest acquisition of them all was Nick Castellanos, who has been nothing short of amazing Amazing. for the Chicago Cubs franchise since he has gotten acquired from the Detroit Tigers. I mean, it just seems like anytime he's at the plate, he's either setting the table, hitting home runs, 
getting on base. I mean, everybody on Cubs Twitter, uh, and rightfully so, just keeps asking, when can we resign Nick Castellanos? <laughs> um, this is a guy that this team can build around, and I welcome this addition. I really hope that the Cubs can find a way to keep him on board next year because, man, he uh, so far has looked to be a special player. And quite frankly, Chad, he's been the Cubs' best player over the past couple of weeks since he was acquired by this team. Yeah, in 11 games, uh, 17 for 46, uh, batting 370, slugging over 400, uh, OPS of uh, 761, four homers, six doubles, uh, and six RBI. And, you know, it's the consistent force that you need um, at, at that position where he can go out there and, and you know. I, I remember what I talked about when, we, we, when the team did pick him up. I said what I can appreciate about this more than anything is we're going to have a more consistent lineup in the outfield. I think we're going you know, to see Almora a lot less, but we're, we're going to see um, a lot more starts with Hayward, uh, Nick, and, and Kyle, and then we'll have some split obviously with Schwarber to kind of protect him on one side. But I think, you know, and you know, what I really appreciate about this pickup is he has the opportunity coming from, you know, more of a pitcher's ballpark in Detroit. Um, and, and, and depending on the wind blows, Wrigley has, you know, different thoughts, whether it's a hitter's park or a pitcher's park, he feels like he's got a great opportunity to boost up his power numbers, which have actually been pretty outstanding in previous years. So we're seeing glimmers of that right now. I do also want to mention another hot bat for the Cubs, and that is one of Ian Happ, who has just been absolutely unbelievable since he was called back up from AAA. It's almost like the best thing that could have happened to him. And to tell you the truth, I mean, we've talked about it before. He was not exactly lights out when he was playing in Iowa this year, but all of a sudden it seems like that did him some good because he has also been tremendous playing second base for the Cubs. And well, let me, uh, yeah. it is so well, nice to see him hitting again. Yeah, let me touch on that as well. You know, we want to talk about some 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 statistics. You know, since joining the team is OPS, which is the on base percentage plus slugging, is over a thousand. So it's one point Oh, four, one. That is absolutely fantastic. Can I tell you who is the absolute hottest hitter? And I'll just pick a random date uh, out of thin air. May 15th. Yes. Leads the team in slugging home runs, RBIs tied with Baez. So it's not Baez. Going to go and with Kyle Schwarber. Isn't that amazing? So th- these are, these are players that um, didn't have a lot riding on, on, uh, on this season in terms of there wasn't a lot of expectations that they would be leaders Ian Happ. I think you're right. Him coming up and having this opportunity to get better seasoned Kyle Schwarber coming around and, and uh, playing um, uh, at least average defense in the outfield uh, and showing uh, the promise of the bat that the front office has so much faith in. Yep. And uh, another guy, as we move on to the third inning, who also has provided a nice little spark, at least in the first game that he played for the Cubs against the Cincinnati Reds, that being catcher Jonathan Lucroy, who the Cubs yeah. picked up after he was released by the uh, L.A. Angels. And Lucroy, who spent a significant amount of time with the Milwaukee Brewers, so he knows the NL Central, was an all-star for several years as well. And his debut with the Cubs went three for five with two RBIs. So uh, Jonathan Lucroy, who you know certainly is, is not – Wilson Contreras, but listen, if the Cubs can get any sort of production from this guy, and uh, it seems like so far it's off to a decent start, that is just a bonus as the Cubs uh, get ready to welcome back Wilson Contreras at some point. So I am hoping, here's here's hoping that Jonathan Lucroy can still provide uh, at least a little bit of a bat because defensively he's very solid. But uh, man, I hope this is another nice sneaky pickup for the Cubs and Jonathan Lucroy. 
Yeah, you know, he, he's going to manage the game well behind the plate. A lot of people weren't quite aware. Like, why was he out on the market? Did he just fall off to the point I mean, for you to be outright, outright released? But he was in a very scary collision, a uh, home, home plate collision, and, and he basically um, has been under concussion protocol for, for much, much of this time. And so he was just basically released, and the Cubs jumped at the chance. And you're right, not Wilson Contreras, but can I just put a little shout-out right now for Victor Carantini? Here's the guy that is just waiting for his chance, and he's been, he's been demoted really twice now. I wouldn't say demoted, but knocked back down. Um, first when Wilson came back uh, from the first uh, stint on the, on the IL, and then now with uh, Luke Roy coming out. So, um, again, uh, Wilson Contreras, uh, we're probably still about three weeks away, maybe four weeks away from him coming back, hopefully at full force. But uh, great pickup by the team in the front office because this is a guy that's got great experience. He's been in the league since 2010, played for a lot of different teams. Uh, and uh, I think he just needs the opportunity to play with, with a clear head. All right, moving on to the fourth inning now. And, you know, the Cubs uh, starting rotation has really got to pick up the slack right now because this bullpen is uh, obviously – you know, having having its problems when it comes to health. But uh, it does not do the Cubs any favors when Kyle Hendricks, who is like Cy Young at Wrigley Field as well, the, the Cubs are basically uh, unbeatable at Wrigley. But then on the road, uh, Kyle Hendricks looks less than pedestrian. It, it is yeah. so head-scratching right now. Um, Kyle Hendricks right now is a 348 ERA uh, for the season. But on the road, he has a 5.29 ERA compared to an ERA, I want to say, under two at Wrigley, Chad. Um, again, it just continues to you know, promote the narrative that the Cubs are just not the same team at home that they are on the road. And for whatever reason, they're just not getting those same sort of pitching efforts from, from their guys. And, and it's just baffling to me, especially someone like Kyle Hendricks, who is – absolutely so masterful when he pitches at Wrigley Field and then yet when he's on the road it's like he hasn't seen a baseball before so I can't figure it out because it is definitely a Jekyll and Hyde type season from Kyle Hendricks yeah and it's it's a it's a head scratcher because you you uh you know he's been kind of one of the steady forces now he has had prior to that just horrible you know two and two-thirds innings uh, against the Reds and we could talk for a whole inning on on the bewildering uh, domination that the Reds have seemed to have over the Cubs this year. It's very bizarre, but 12 hits, only striking out two, um, allowing seven runs. It, it, it added a whole half point to his ERA. But prior to that, you know, prior to that, he had five, um, five, uh, five straight starts of at least five innings and giving up two runs or th- uh, fewer. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and he has given us, uh, you know, one point, you know, I'm sorry, 129 innings so far. So he is there. He is durable. Um, but yeah, when you see starts like that, and we can talk about Lester as well, it, it's it's a head scratcher because you you uh, it just seems to come and go at times. And he's had a couple moments this season where it. You're right that the the Jekyll and Hyde has definitely come out. 1.98 ERA at home. Unbelievable yeah. how that incredible that changed out. Well, yeah. fifth inning now, Chad. And oh, it's never too early to look ahead to next season. The Cubs in Major League Baseball released the schedule for the 2020 year. And uh, while there's still plenty of baseball left to be played here, uh, always cool to kind of see where the Cubs and when they will be playing uh, so people can get ready to get those tickets and uh, prepare their schedule accordingly to uh, see the Cubs wherever they may be, both at Wrigley or on the road. Um, What is it to you that at least stood out in your mind 
um, when you looked at this schedule the most? Well, I, I, uh, I love it because I know exactly where I'm going to be on March 30th next year. <laughs> I'm going to be at Wrigley Field um, watching uh, the Cubs take on the Pirates. Um, you know, it's such an early start. It's a concerning early start for me, uh, and, and I don't know how you fix well, this. Well, dress because... warm is all I can say on that, oh. buddy. Well, I, I, you know, I've been there. Like short no sleeves. doubt. Yeah, I've, I've been there uh, short sleeve. I've been there with the rain and, and freezing rain hitting me sideways. I've been there with all my snow gear and snow pants. But I'm going to be there again. I, I never miss the home openers. On, uh, and so March 30th, the things that stand out for me, some interesting things. I really, you know, first off, it's the early start, March 26th. Uh, is, is a very hard to the se- uh, early start to the season. It's going to be the first time that Major League Baseball has has had everybody start on the exact same day. I think since the '60s, we'll have the Peyton, uh, the intern, check that out. But also, um, I'm excited. You know, we, we've known about the London London start, but uh, the London series rather against the Cardinals. But what I've found really interesting, and actually I really support this, it's something smart that the Cubs are doing for the fan base. Is every weeknight home game before Memorial Day and after Labor Day, so when the the kids are in school basically the start's going to be at 6 40 so that's going to take some time to get used to but i also like it because it, the sun will be out a little bit maybe a little bit warmer and allow for some weather issues but you know for me it's a it's a good looking schedule i also notice as well there seems to be a lot more four game series which i sure like that any time a team can uh, isn't jumping on a plane every other day so it kind of interesting schedule tweaks it's very it's an interesting schedule nothing that really stands out in a big yeah. way except for the times yeah the cubs will open the year march 26th in milwaukee against the brewers so that will Mark the fifth year in a row that the Cubs will open the season on the road. And then you mentioned March 30th will be their home opener against the Pirates. So, uh, again, uh, dress accordingly because uh, more likely than not, it will be really, really cold. And then, of course, you mentioned the uh, Cardinal Series in London, June 13th and 14th. That's going to be definitely one that a lot of people, I'm sure, will be traveling to as well as uh, July 7th and 8th at uh, Guaranteed Rate Field, and then July 20th through the 21st at Wrigley Field, the Cubs will face off against the White Sox. And then you mentioned, of course, the time change with uh, the 640 start, which I yeah. think is a nice thing. I think that's, that's a good a, start. It's a good not like move it. by the Cubs to, uh, to do something like that. So I, I applaud that. All right, yeah. well, let's move on to the sixth inning now, Chad. And uh, it was interesting, Joe Madden, um, was asked basically directly if he thought he would be back with the team after this year. Of course, uh, you and I have spoke about this at length, that Joe Madden's contract is up at the end of the year, and there's been a lot of speculation that maybe Madden will not return as the Cubs manager. But uh, Madden feels confident. And, and listen, I mean, what else is he going to say? So what's but, he going to say? Absolutely. Yeah, but he does say that he feels very confident that he will be back at least for another couple of seasons. And that if nothing else, he doesn't want to retire from managing until he's about 70 years old. He's 65 now. So, uh, you know, reasonably, he'd like to stick around another five years. Um, listen, he said that it's not going to come down to wins and losses, which I completely agree with. It's going to come down to communication with him, Theo, and Jed, and to see if they are able to get on the same page. Look, you and I have talked about this. I have said that I always felt that Joe is the best manager for this team moving forward. Um, I don't think it makes sense to replace him. I also don't think it makes sense to bring on a guy who's kind of one of these no-name young managers who's not you know, a manager at the moment, kind of a bench coach. 
because I just think Joe is the guy you want managing this team with this championship window the way that it is. I don't know if I trust, let's just use him as an example, a Mark Loretta to take over this team or a guy that you've never heard of before to take over this team to try and manage them to a World Series. Now, I understand that people might have said the same thing about an Alex Cora or an Aaron Boone or, or whatnot. I get that. Or even a Dave Roberts or an A.J. Hinch in Houston. But again, why switch things up when you have a good thing going? The players still love Joe Madden. Joe Madden is still one of the best managers in baseball. If I'm Theo and if I'm Jed, I find any way I can to continue to try and make this relationship work so the Cubs can move forward with Joe Madden from 2020 and beyond. So I hope he's right. I hope that we see next year that Joe is at least around for another couple of years. And in my mind, Joe Mannon should be able to manage for the rest of his career in Chicago. So what do you take away from what Joe Madden said? Well, you know, the front office is largely signed through kind of the, the run of the, you know, of the young core talent, right? Those, the, the core four, core five. Um, I would like to see Joe Madden actually join that and, and have everybody kind of around till 2000, you know, 23, 24, when, when this core is really still intact and, and they have a chance to have a run for eight, nine years together. You know, what I'm going to say is the front office, I think, already knows if they're going to make a decision after this. This if, if they don't feel like they're getting the right partnership, if they're not getting um, the right, you know, string pulling that they need done based upon analytics because they've got much smarter people that we don't even know who they are are running spreadsheets to do different things in different scenarios. If Joe's not playing ball with that, then that's going to be a bigger issue. Um, I, I, I would be very surprised if we don't see him uh, continue on, but I think the way this season's ends is going to go a long way because the only move you can make at this point, and they're not going to lower season ticket prices or any ticket prices, but the only thing they can do to appease the fans if this goes poorly is yank Joe Madden out there and go with somebody else. So that really is the only power move that the, the Cubs front office has. So that, that to me would be the one reason you'd see him get yanked. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. And we've had some great guests, of course, over the years. And this week's guest, well, he is just as great as any other one we have had. From the Jason and John show in Memphis, Tennessee on 92.9 FM ESPN, it's Jason Smith joining us here, who is a big Cub fan all the way from Memphis. Jason, welcome to the Friendly Confines with Chad and Ryan. Ryan, I'm 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 happy to be here, guys. I feel unworthy. I got to admit that I'm just a you know a lowly Memphis sports guy here, but Cubs fan, dear at heart, and man, I mean, I, I think I'm nervous, man. I've I've never been on a Cubs podcast because usually folks in Memphis don't want to hear me talk about them. Well, I want to talk to you about that. We're going to get to that in a little bit because I'm always fascinated about the relationship between a city like Memphis and obviously the, uh, you know, domination of, I guess, Cardinal fans that probably uh, populate that area more so than Cub fans. So I definitely want to talk to you about that relationship and kind of what that's like for you to navigate through that. But first, let's kind of start just with the Cubs themselves, Jason. Um, Right now, the Cubbies going to be starting this, you know, big trip. Uh, they play so amazing at home. But for whatever reason, when they're on the road, it's kind of a completely different team. From what you've maybe been able to pick up from the games you've watched, 
What do you think has been the biggest difference between the Cubs playing at Wrigley comparatively to playing anywhere else in Major you know, League I, Baseball I, this year? I, you know, not being there, you know, sort of feels like, okay, well, well, well you know, what does it matter what you think? But watching it, I think you can tell. Javi Baez said it. I, I've read a couple of things that he's, he's talked about this. Obviously, the Cubs have been asked about this over and over. But, but something he said resonated with me. I thought it's true. When, when they're at home, they're relaxing. You know, this thing's become, what, what are they, 12 games under 500 on the road? It's become, you know, such a headline now, such a storyline. They're getting asked about it every day that I think when they're on the road, I agree with Javi. I think they're pressing, uh, whether that's Hendricks, uh, whether it's Rizzo at the plate. Uh, guys you've seen, and, and you can see it in their averages and their ERAs, just haven't been good. I got to buy Javi because he's the guy in the locker room that kind of knows it, that, that when he says, yeah, we're pressing a little bit too much on the road, not relaxing like when we're at home, he knows what he's talking about. You know, for the most part, he's been pretty solid on both. But you've seen some pretty stark differences. You know, again, I'd, I'd point to Rizzo, who's, who's been great at home. What is it, 320, something like that? I think down the 240s or so on the road. It's, you know, yeah. we, we know we've got good players. We've seen them perform in the past. So you figure it's, it's upstairs. I think a lot of this, you know, it may be too much, and maybe we'll get into it a little bit later. You know, everybody's got Madden on the hot seat and, and putting a lot of this on him. Right now, I'll be real honest with you. I think it's a good team that's just pressing a little bit in that situation where you feel like you've got a problem, and a lot of times things have a tendency to snowball. Uh, you keep thinking they'll break out of it. Well, this will be the road trip. They kind of show who they are on the road as well because they've been so darn good at home, and it just hadn't happened yet. Um, hopefully they can get it turned around starting you know, with this Cincinnati series. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, the offense taking a major blow last week when Wilson Contreras went down with the hamstring injury. Uh, Jonathan Lucroy, who's a veteran catcher, spent some time with the Milwaukee Brewers, had some decent seasons with them. So he knows the NL Central pretty well. Um, this could potentially be a sneaky pickup for them while they're waiting for Contreras to come back. I guess at this point, you might as well take the chance. I, with I, them, I, right? I would, would say you say. So. I mean, you knew you had to go out and get some help. Um, and LaCroix, what a, you know, former all-star, I think two-time all-star, just like you said, he's a veteran. And particularly you think he can help you in terms of the guys that, that that pitching staff's going to see in the NL central. I like the move. I mean, I, I, it was at this point, it's a no brainer. You've got to get some depth there. I'm just hoping, you know, he's good enough, sharp enough. And again, in, in that position, you know, you're playing for a great team. All of a sudden you're in the race that he's not putting too much pressure on himself early. Yeah, you know, he'll be used. You know, he's not going to be every day, obviously. But but hopefully he's not pressing when he's in here and he could sort of be that bridge for you, maybe even a little bit more because, again, all of those bats haven't been hot. But hopefully he can be that bridge for you, uh, give you a little bit more depth at that position, um, hopefully for Wilson to get back in about a month, five weeks, whatever it's going to be. But this team needs Wilson Contreras and that bat, not to mention the, just his defensive abilities behind the plate for – any kind of run in the postseason. You and I both know that, Ryan. Yep, absolutely. We're talking with Jason Smith from ESPN 92.9 in Memphis. You can hear him weekdays, 11 to 2 Central Time on the Jason and John Show. And you can also find him on Twitter at JasonSmith929. So make sure to pick him up there and you can uh, – see all the latest doings, what's going on with him and the show and the city of Memphis. It's kind of nice for him. Obviously, he's usually talking about Memphis Tigers or the Memphis Grizzlies, taking a few minutes here to talk to us here on the seventh inning stretch about his beloved and our Chicago Cubs. Jason, one big thing about this team has been the bullpen. It just seems like one thing after another. Lightning just keeps striking this bullpen. Um, 
you know, Craig Kimbrell now on the shelf for a little while. It doesn't seem to be too serious, but then Brandon Kinsler now on the, on the shelf for a little bit. Um, is, is there any light at the end of the tunnel that you're seeing with this bullpen right now? Because I guess for my money, I would say that as long as the bullpen is pitching well, I think this team has a shot because as this bullpen goes, so does this team, I guess, in, in, at least in my opinion. I mean, what, I, I what would you say to that? I feel like it's capable, but that it, it, whether it's injury or just guys underperforming, that it hasn't, you know, it hasn't given you, you know, there was a point after the All-Star break where we had, the Cubs had led it in every, literally every game. What we were, they were 15, maybe 16 games past the All-Star break. And, and yes, you're absolutely right. It had become, you know, the offense has been talked about a lot. For a while, there was all home run ball or nothing. But I'm with you. I mean, the real story of this team so far this year has been sort of that inability, despite having, you know, all these names to sort of get that closed down, that part of your squad that, you know, for a while, and, and look, it would be a roller coaster with, with Strope or uh, particularly with him because he had sort of assumed that role and there was always that debate about, you know, whether he was the setup guy or whether he could be a closer. You know, if you look at his ERA, for the most part, yes, there's times where it gets hairy. But, but my point is he's locked it down pretty well here for when they needed to. Now you've got all those names in there. And, again, uh, these injuries have just sort of ravaged you as a team. My hope is that you can get everybody healthy. I'm with you. Hopefully this Kimbrell one. I, I, I just question whether he's got it, Ryan, whether he's still got it. I watch him, and I wonder if he's still as confident. You know, he's lost a little bit. There's no question about it in terms of the intimidation factor. It's not the same, but I think he could still, you know, I mean, you have to believe that it's going to come down to, if the Cubs can really make a run, a, a, a series against the Dodgers. They've been so head over heels better than everybody else. And, if again, you're not going to get through a series with them. You played them tight in the regular season. I think it was 4-3 uh, during the regular season series. Dodgers won it by game. But you need a guy like Kimbrell who, again, you know, doesn't have that same intimidation factor. But, uh, you know, whether it's him, whether it's Kimbrell, who's been fantastic, he hits the injury, bad luck, you're just hoping that some of this sort of Bad luck. Same thing with the road. Uh, same thing in that, that sort of it's in their head can get turned around. You've got the time to do it. Um, and I think you've got the arms to do in that bullpen. But I'm with you. It's sort of been the story of the season. And I think it's going to determine just how far they can get. Let's end on this, Jason. Uh, we mentioned, obviously, you're in Memphis, which is predominantly probably a Cardinal city with the St. Louis Cardinals AAA team in uh, Memphis with the uh, Memphis Redbirds. And of course, uh, St. Louis, about a four hour drive. But is it, I would imagine, what, about 90, 10 Cardinals Cubs fans? How does a guy like yourself who loves the Cubs navigate through a predominantly Cardinals nation sort of city. What, it's what a is fun that like? dynamic in the sense that, um, you know, there's, there's a few of us here. I, I'd go with your 90, 10, even if, if, if it's that much, if there's, if, if there's 10% of us here that are, that are Cubs fans, but uh, there's a, there's a strange dynamic to it too, in the sense that you, you mentioned, you're not far from St. Louis. You can get there very quickly, but, but so many uh, St. Louis fans here go up over the weekend to get up to cards games. And, and, and as soon as you hit the Missouri state line, it's it's all Cardinals all over the radio. That's all they're talking. And literally, in the you know, you go buy a lottery ticket in Missouri. That's all they're talking. You do it down here in Memphis, basketball crazy Memphis. And I'm not just talking about Cardinals. Where like like you mentioned, you've got the AAA team, but baseball in general, and they don't want to talk about it. Now, even with all these Cards fans here, uh, for us on our show, you know, I, I almost I, it, it's almost become a bit now that when I when I talk a little baseball, I don't know as much, but my producer, a Cardinals fan, does. We, we joke around about it. We can almost hear the dials, and it's just – I'm pulling back the curtain here, but it's just obvious in basketball-crazy Memphis, 
uh, you can almost hear you turn them off, even if you're talking Cardinals. Now, I, fa- I found a nice <laughs> little, little, little role here as the heel guy that will get Cardinals fans a little riled up around here when our Cubs are, are leading them. And, of course, here, here's the deal with Cards fans in Memphis. You, know, you don't hear a thing from them until they're either a half game, a game behind you, or a half game up, and then all of a sudden they're talking again. Don't want to talk about it on the radio, but we'll get that's right on social media, that kind of thing. It's the way the Cardinals go right now. You know, it's, it's crickets. You know, they're the worst team in the world. That's sort of how Cardinals fans operate. <laughs> it's fun. I've sort of adapted uh, adopted that heel role here. Um, while we don't talk a lot of baseball in general in Memphis, again, it's the Tigers, it's the Grizzlies, like you mentioned. Um, it is a Cardinals town. There's no doubt about it. And you can get these folks riled up pretty fast if you start talking about uh, how the Cubbies have owned them uh, since the what the 2015 uh, NLD, NLDS one. It, I mean, we've we've practically owned them. So it's it's fun to mess with them. Yeah, absolutely. No, 100%. Well, Jason Smith from the Jason and John Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. You can hear him Mondays through Fridays, 11 to 2. And you can find him on Twitter at Jason Smith 929. Jason, thank you so oh, much for joining us here. It was a pleasure. Absolutely, man. We would love to have you back on the program down the line. And uh, go Cubs. We appreciate your time and effort uh, to come you on. You guys with take us. care. Appreciate it. It was fun. Our thanks to Jason Smith of ESPN 92.9 in Memphis. Uh, great catching up with him. And again, you can find Jason on Twitter at Jason Smith 929. And don't forget, of course, you can find me on Twitter along with Chad. I'm at Ryan D. Lieber. Chad is at Cubs Confines. We are always welcoming your uh, feedback, your opinions, what we can do better on this podcast. So please. Uh, hit us up on there, and we'd love to start the conversation with you. Yeah, and and obviously we've talked about this all the time. Make sure you find us on the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook page. It's a great way for game updates, uh, you know, game posts, a fan post, a great place to get Cubs tickets, things like that. And a special shout out to the uh, the Cubs Elite page, who has now made us our um, our very first ever. Uh, we are now their official podcast uh, and it's a, gr- a, th- a thriving growing very dedicated cubs audience of about twelve thousand people so make sure you join their page as well that is a that is a fantastic page and we're really uh, appreciative of paris and the other ones over there that have uh, given that their support of of what we're doing here on the friendly confines pretty pumped about that so chad uh let's move on now as we hit up the eighth inning and uh the cubs are going to be playing the Pirates uh, over the weekend. And what's exciting about this is uh, the game will be played, one of the games will be played at Williamsport, Pennsylvania, uh, as the Cubs and the Pirates are the Little League uh, contest of the year where they will go to Williamsport, play in the Little League uh, stadium. Obviously, they change the dimensions, so it's major league ready. And they basically interact with the kids who are playing in the Little League World Series. It is such a great move by Major League Baseball. They started doing this a couple of years ago. Um, and, you know, it gives the players a chance to interact with the kids and vice versa. And I know the players get such a kick out of it. And the, the kids, of course, are like over the moon about it. And, and what I love, too, is now they're rocking these uniforms. Oh, I they're the best. Yeah, I think think it's the first year that they're doing this sort of thing with the unis because I remember last year they didn't do this with the – I think the Mets were one of the teams, and I think it was the Phillies. Uh, But, yeah, the Cubs are going to be wearing, as well as the Pirates, 
unis that are like throwback Little League uniforms, which are just so neat looking. So I'm pretty excited about this. It's just such a cool idea that Major League Baseball, you know, listen, I try to give Major League Baseball a little credit when they deserve it because, you know, there's times where they are so far behind the eight ball. But I credit Rob Manfred for really trying to be more focused on luring in younger fans to grow the game so kids can be excited about this. And playing Major League Baseball games at venues like this are just a perfect example of why I am happy Rob Manfred is now the commissioner of baseball because this is just something that will build build the game and be able to be more creative for those kids who are watching to love the game. So, So a big win by baseball in this move. Well, I, here's why I hate it. I decided I wasn't going to be buying any more jerseys for a while. And <laughs> I, I got, I mean, it says Cubbies on the front and it just looks wow. so great. I mean, I, I'm going to wear that to play softball. And I mean, that looks just like, I love the jersey, but it, it's a great opportunity, you know, for the, you know, it, it's great photo ops for, as well for the kids to interact with the players, the players to talk to the kids to be there. And what's really special as well is it's really geared towards families and um, they're really keeping the scalpers out of the market. I, I thought long and hard about maybe trying to go out there since it was kind of a once in a lifetime sort of situation, but it, it's been a bit very tough ticket. So um, I love what they're doing. I agree. Manfred's made some good decisions. I mean, let's look at how, how many teams are actually in the pennant race right now. I don't know if that's their, their doing. Obviously he brought in the juice balls. Good for him blowing up the offense. Uh, but uh, yeah, I love this and it's going to be a fun game to watch and it's going to be kind of a surreal game because it just, it's such a small temporary stadium. Um, and I've loved when they did this on military bases. It's, it's just a lot of fun. Um, and it's not that uh, much of an effect on the players and the teams where they're really going out of their way. So big thumbs up and I can't wait to watch it this weekend. Yeah. It's going to be Sunday night baseball on ESPN. So it's definitely going to be something to watch. Yeah. The um, cubbies, the cubbies Jersey says cubbies and Pittsburgh says the Berg and it's going to have everybody's kind of players nicknames on the back, which is so fun. Yes. And I do stand corrected. The Mets and Phillies did wear uniforms last year, different than what they have, uh, you know, yep. this year with the Cubs, but certainly uh, that the, the little league vibe is uh, definitely yeah. there. So yeah, you're up front and, and personal right there. And, and real quick, I also want to mention, it's not have to do with the Cubs, but to kind of get on the point about playing in different venues, major league baseball also announced that they're going to play a game between the White Sox and the Yankees in Dyersville, Iowa, the site Pretty of neat. the Field of Dreams took place. That's going to happen next year, too. So, again, I, I just like the move that Major League Baseball is trying to kind of push that narrative of, you know, playing in different venues. I will share this, and I, I think I just – I'm a very – you know I'm a very pro baseball fan, and I don't ever really get down on teams. You know that. That's not how I tweet. That's not how I Facebook post. It's not how I am on this this podcast. But there was something really funny. They they had a picture just showing the field of dreams and that one lonely set of like bleachers that was out there, you know, for the Kevin Costner movie. Right. And somebody said, well, hey, finally a game that the White Sox could sell out. There you go. Yeah, you're right. There you go. Because <laughs> they're only going to have about 7,000 tickets for that one. But that's going to be special and that will be very good. Very yeah. good television. 100%. All right. So let's move on to the ninth inning now. And, uh, Chad, hard to believe because I feel like this was my childhood in a nutshell. But <laughs> it has been 30 years since the Chicago Cubs, the boys of Zimmer, as they were called, uh-huh. won the NL East back in 1989. I mean, who can forget that team 
that nobody saw coming. A team with Mark Grace and Ryan Sandberg and Sean Dunson with the famous Seanometer. And you had uh, a, a guy named Andre Dawson manning right field. You had two upstart rookies and Jerome Walton and Dwight Smith manning the outfield as well. And then, of course, there were a few catchers on that team. One of them named Joe Girardi, who was a rookie on that team. <laughs> um, the 89 Cubs, uh, their, their rotation was Greg Maddox and Rick Sutcliffe and Mike Balecki. Um, their closer was Mitch Wildthing Williams. Um, you know, they came out of nowhere. They won the division. They lost, unfortunately, in the NLCS to a very good San Francisco Giants team that had Will Clark and Kevin Mitchell. I mean, they were just unbelievable. Um, but you know what? I'm surprised, Chad, because we have seen recently a lot of teams that didn't win the World Series, um, yet they were honored um, for yeah. either making the series or getting to the playoffs. We're honored with kind of an anniversary. And this 89 team um, has not been. And I know the Cubs have done stuff with the 84 team. But other than the 84 team, this 89 team is really the only other team that won a division title prior to 2003. So I find it a little interesting. We have not heard about this. But um, if I may, you know, I was 13 years old in 89. You and I are are basically the same age. Um, I remember, unfortunately, Ryan Sandberg was my favorite player. He's always been. And I do remember him making the last out of the 89 playoffs. And I remember <laughs> how sad I was. And I, I think I even may have cried uh, when, when he made the last out. And I just remember how excited I was with that team. And, and how, I mean, even as you can see, I can still recite basically the entire lineup. Oh, of yeah. The team. yeah. Um, and, and I just, I, I will never, ever forget that team. They will always have a special place in my heart. Because that was kind of my team that I grew up with. I'm, I'm a little too young for the 84 team. I don't know if you were a fan back in 84. But for me, the 89 team will always be my team. And it would have been nice. Uh, I know John Zimmer is no longer with us. But um, all the players are. And Jim Fry, I don't know if he is in good health or not. But he is still alive. He was the general manager of that team on 89. Um, I, I would just love to see them have some sort of recognition uh, and maybe they could try and bring some of those guys together um, for a 30-year kind of anniversary. Um, and that, that's basically it. I, I mean, there's nothing planned as far as I know. Yeah. But uh, that's just something that I remember. Yeah, it's hard to believe it's been yeah. 30 years. 30 years, and, and, and it is. And, and we've we're... talked about, I mean, the 84 team, that was the team I, I, I matured as a, as a fan. I was 10 years old, and, and that was the heartbreak and, and the excitement and all those different pieces. So I really came of age just a little bit before you, and you're right, we're, we're pretty close in age. But, you know, you, you mentioned a lot of people. One guy you didn't mention, which always made the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the 15-year-old and me kind of chuckle uh, every time he came out to the mound, Dick Pohl, the pitching coach. So I can't <laughs> believe you didn't mention him at all. But yeah. uh, this was a pretty fun team. They had four, three Hall of Famers in Sandberg, Maddox, and Dawson. They had four All-Stars, those same guys, along with um, Mitch Williams was an All-Star. Uh, uh, Sutcliffe was an All-Star. Uh, and uh, actually, Maddox wasn't an All-Star that year, which is pretty interesting. But, yeah, the Seanometer was so exciting. Let me throw some salaries out to you. So the highest-paid guy on that team was – you want to guess? Highest-paid guy on the team, I'm going to say, was Sandberg. It was Sutcliffe making 2-3. Wow. Just underneath him was Andre Dawson making 2.1. Sandberg, the greatest player of our time in his prime at 29, was making $950,000. So that is bewildering. And this one is going to just shock you as well. Mark Grace, the 90s 
hits leader. They didn't know what they were getting at, at the time. He made $140,000 that year. He had yep. a war of four, $140,000. So baseball's changed a little bit. I love that team as well in, in the way they, they just had fight. They had spunk. They had characters. And there was this moment where you're like, is it like every five years we're going to be good? You almost felt like that. And, and you're right. We didn't really have anything else until um, the wild card uh, in, in later on in the, in the, in the 90s. But uh, this, was a, this was a fun team. And, and you're right. It would be nice to see them honor that. But I just like the fact that uh, a lot of these guys still have some sort of role and some sort of presence. What's Sean Dunstan doing anymore? I'd love to see where he is and, and uh, see if he, if he has, can come back. But uh, some, a really interesting group of characters. And, uh, and you always remember your first time, Rhino, and clearly 89 was yours. So, yeah, nice to reminisce. Yeah, it really is. And, and I, I should mention, you know, unfortunately, we actually lost Scott Sanderson uh, earlier this year as well, uh, the late Scott Sanderson who pitched for the Cubs on that 89 team. He was somebody else that, um, you know, went to Glenbrook North High School, which was uh, – you know, very close to where I grew up in Chicago. So, but yeah, a lot of, lot of fun guys on that team, because I think what, what I loved most about it, you know, and I'll, I'll kind of leave it with this is that they just came out of nowhere. I don't think anybody yeah. expected this team to, to do what they did. I think 84, yeah. you know, they, they had some guys and you like said, okay, they, they got some good guys on this team, but 89, I remember coming off of the 88 season and I was just like, yeah, I mean, they're not going to be anything special. Um, yeah. And I'll tell you what, they just Don Zimmer worked his magic that year. He really did, and they were it, they were a fun, fun team. It was such a different time, and 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 the wild card round hadn't started yet. I mean, the the team uh, was able to win uh, win the East uh, uh, with ninety three wins, and then they go right to the NLCS, and all they had to do was win the best of five series to go right to the World Series. Now. My God, you've got to run three marathons before you even whiff the World Series. So things were much yeah. simpler back then. But you know what? I wouldn't trade a World Series in 89 for nothing because we got to enjoy the heck out of a, an epic year just a couple years. Ago. 100%. Let's, let's do it again. Very true. Well, that is going to do it for this edition of the Friendly Confines. Of course, once again, our thanks to Jason Smith of ESPN Memphis. Once again, you can listen anywhere you can where podcasts are available. We'll talk to you guys next week. For Chad, I'm Ryan. Talk to you next week, everybody. See you at the ballpark, everybody. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game. For I've seen other teams and it's never the same. When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're a field. The first time you walk into Wrigley.